welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I am delighted to have with us Gabriella Cavallero, a voiceover artist having narrated several Emmy-nominated documentaries for PBS and over 900 audiobooks. Gabriella has 25-plus years of experience as a professional actor, teacher, director, voice, dialect, and movement coach. She has been an adjunct professor of voice, speech, acting, and movement at the University of Denver and the University of Colorado, and a guest instructor at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. As a professional actor at the highly acclaimed Denver Center Theater Company and on many of Colorado's top stages, she has played a wide range of roles for the past 26 seasons. Gabriella, welcome. We're so happy to have you on the Skill Bite Show today. Oh, it is a pleasure to be here with you, Didi. Thank you. Um, to start us off, could you tell us how you got into narrating documentaries and audiobooks? Well, I started as an actor in this life. <laughs> and so I had a lot of, uh, actually, I would say I started with my parents were musicians. And so I have to say that a, a lot of my music background has greatly affected what I do and my uh, things that we'll talk about later. Uh, but so my background is in music. And then as I had training as an actor, I was an acting major in college. And then I went to, a, I had a grad school, a master's in acting. So I, it was through that. Uh, and then there is uh, one of the few companies that records for the Library of Congress in uh, Colorado that uh, I was very lucky to be able to begin to work with right after I left grad school. And so they that became a full-time, full-time work when I wasn't doing shows. And that propelled me into the, the voiceover world. And then I, I started doing commercial voiceovers. And one of my ways in was also because I'm bilingual, my first language is Spanish. So I was, I had this extra skill with languages. And so that's been a, a part of my niche is that I am the, the language person, the accent person, the dialect person. Wow. And that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to get into it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, some of it, some of it is just who I happen to be, and a lot of it is a lot of work and voice classes and rolling around on floors. <laughs> so it's a it's a mix of of skills and and what my background is. Mm-hmm. I understand that you've been recording a book just earlier today. What what is that's, it that you're working on? That's right. I. I was just telling my engineer this morning that there are some books that really test your skill. And this is one of them. It's called The Chandelier, and it is by a Brazilian, it's a translation of a Brazilian author. Her name is Clarice Lispector. And it is very, it's this beautiful fiction book that it was her first book. And it is, dream of thought. So it's, I would describe, how to describe this. It's almost like seeing an impressionist painting that you might not, you, you have to look at it and you're not exactly sure if something is a flower or a piece of a bush, but you get the, this whole impression by listening to it. So it's very, it, it will go on without a period for like, 12 lines <laughs> and it, wow it's 
extremely difficult and also really beautiful. But I was thinking just this morning, hmm, this is a really good example of needing skills to read, to, to be an audiobook narrator of, of this kind of work. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's great to get the opportunity to. Well, maybe not Practice. with this book, but with a, a a normal book, how do you yeah. even go about determining how to narrate it? Um, I would say, well, it just first of all, you you wanna you're aware of the style of it. You're so you're very aware of is this. Uh, is this a business book? Is this a nuts and bolts? Is it a technical thing? Or I, I tend to do a lot of a lot of fiction, and you you want to be aware of your audience first of all because it's a, it's always going to be about your audience. And uh, I would say that the the equal factor for everything, which some people might not realize, is that. Uh, the amount of vocal variety that you need for any of those or for either of those things is uh, is 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 great because some people think, well, I don't need to have I don't I need I know I don't have a whole lot of inflection in my voice, but I'm just doing a technical thing on how to paint houses. Uh, so I don't think I need those skills. And Sometimes it's exactly those those kinds of books, those more businessy books or instructional books that require you to have the the prosody, the interest, so that people stay with you if you want them to to listen to your book. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would say that. For the most part, it's the same thing that you go into for any for any book, but you want to be aware of what your who your audience is. Gabriella, you used the term prosody. I'm not sure that everybody understands. No, you're that. right. So prosody is has to do with vocal variety. It's a it's a term that we borrow from from jazz, and it yes, it has to do with with having a balance of of highs and lows and of of um knowing having a, a range that is not limited to say like right now I could have this whole interview with you and just stay in this place in my voice the whole time because this is where I feel really comfortable whereas if I want some prosody I might use the higher range and I might go down low and so um and especially when you're dealing with Say multiple characters in a book. You you're very aware of using your full range. So it's about variety. It's about color. Using a whole huge 120 Crayola box of crayons and colors instead of just the five pack. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good analogy. So besides vocal variety, what other determining factors would you say somebody should consider when they're thinking about whether to narrate their own book? I think one of the things that brings people into voiceover, I, I've taught a lot of voiceover classes just for commercial voice, voiceover generally and also audiobooks. What brings people in is that people, uh, they will hear from their friends or teachers that oh, you have a great voice and that, you know, you should totally go into this field. And people don't realize that it's a, you, you need a lot more than a great voice. It's, it's a great in for a little while. And here's the, here's the irony about the, the factors for recording that like with, with, with any, with good work, with good art, the irony is that the good the the skill is invisible in the final result. So you don't notice you don't notice the technique. So for instance in theater, 
we talk about lighting, a good lighting designer. When you're when you're looking at a play, you're not if you're aware of what the lights are doing while you're watching a particular play, you, something the lighting is not good. When it when it, you're just being pulled seamlessly through a story and not being pulled out of it and noticing other things or oh my gosh that's so cool that she's in red now she's lit in red that when when you're not pulled out of it that's a sign of of a good thing so it is um it's it's interesting to to see that duality of i mean it's interesting to notice that no let me let me rephrase that it's um it's not it's not obvious what kind of skills you need and boy yes so let's see determining factor i would say um being aware of your breath the fact that the breath is the key to all of your vocal support and um your ability to technically deal with a mic, knowing how to knowing how to work a microphone and how you can modulate different voices depending on your distance to the microphone, your ability to stay very, very even with your relationship to that to that microphone. There are all kinds of technical things in in terms of and also in in relation to the microphone not having not not having uh mouth noises n- having a breath that you don't hear that's not audible um between between sentences like r- right now i can say you have a great voice and you hear my breath and you can do this work or I can do that same thing without having that kind of audible voice. So little things like that uh, are not necessarily just taken care of by an editor. And certainly if you're doing your own recording, you really don't. That would be an endless job to take out all the breath. So there are technical things and there are, there are all kinds of, uh, act, in a way, actor skills. I would say for recording, for recording audiobooks and for having a long, you know, that long, it's the difference between a commercial, a 30 second or a 15 second commercial and doing a book that's going to be 10 hours. <laughs> the, all the skills to have that, the desire hmm. to, Mike, to stay what, with you. What type of acting skills do you need? Let's see. I would say the well first of all it's it's this is an interesting thing about about audiobooks some sometimes not even actors have really good reading skills so it's not until you open a book and start reading and seeing if you are able to have some kind of continuation as you're reading a paragraph, a page, without constantly stumbling, or or even you know stumbling here and there, or having some kind of pause before you hit any word that is not super familiar to you. So sometimes I have I get called to to cast people, and uh, I used to think. If you were a good actor, you'd be able to go and and you'd be able to do an audiobook or do a voiceover. And it's not the case. And so this varies person to person. And some people don't realize it until they have to speak out loud, get in front of a microphone and have to read their own uh, writing. Um, but particularly actor skills would be a big one is variety, certainly. Knowing how to vary your pace, having uh, so obviously not not reading too quickly. So you want to be clear first of all. That's the most important thing. 
at the at the at the base level you want to be clear but then you also want to have variety in the pace so not just in the not just in the inflection and your vocal range but in the pace so that it's not just about going too fast or too slow but taking a carrying a person through a particular bit of information and then now I'm going to clarify it and I don't need to spend so much time slowly going through it. I'm just going to review right now. So I might be going a little faster through something and then slowing down when I need to say, so this is the conclusion. Uh, so things like that in terms of pace, um, something that people don't usually think of that an, that actors usually get is um, the use of operatives. That means what word do you stress? So that you don't sound like you are emphasizing everything in a line <clears throat> and then nothing is important. That's something that I've, sometimes I ask people, well, what do you like about this particular narrator that you love so much? And uh, that is something that they've mentioned. They're like, everything is really stressed and excited because they're reading about their own stuff and I don't know what they're saying because everything is stressed. And that's a real uh, that's a real skill. I I spent many an hour talking to having act uh, having students or or people that come to me for coaching work on what is the important word. What do you want people to hear in that thought in that chunk <laughs> in that? Um, so so yeah, what to stress? Actors also have the ability to paint a picture, see as you're reading to be seeing it and be in it so that the reader can really experience it. It's different than just reading words. And it's the difference between reading something so it looks like it's written or reading something and it looks and it sounds like it's just occurring to you. That's a that's a really wonderful thing that actors will bring to um, or or you know, sometimes there there are some people who are naturals um, and they they just connect to things and they're they're in it. But I think that's a more rare thing, and that's why I say that those are the actor chops. That also having an ability to be, uh, I would say specifically, if you have. If you're writing fiction and want to record something like that, where you have the ability to be vulnerable and you can you can be fluid fluidly in and out of emotion, some you know someone something might be happening that's dramatic or exciting, but then you also have to come in and out as the narrator. He said, she said, and then come in and out of different characters who might be playing completely different wants or needs or um, so uh, and, and also making sure that all of it is consistent so that you are if you have characters or um, even say in a technical thing that that you're really clear as people are listening to you if when you're looking at something visually you have say really clear bullet points so you have your major subject that you're talking about and then you have the here's here's my short points and how do you do that with your voice so it might be a pacing thing it might be being really skilled with my pauses it might be uh, being really good at not emphasizing something like for instance uh, I, I will I will mark things and put brackets over it like it's just a little parenthetical phrase when I, I want people to be clear that okay this is not the the header of it and uh, so yeah being consistent about the, the, the format what you're working with um, and also uh, let's see what other actor things accents having a dialects or accents uh, sometimes you get You'll get a novel that is written 
essay by a British author. And some people will say, well, I, I'd rather just not read it with that, the accent. But when it's written in a certain way, it is, it's really, it's, it's interesting to see how it's hard not to speak it in the way that it's written. <laughs> it almost, it, it's, uh, it just feels like it's not matching up somehow in style. You end up just feeling a little discombobulated. So those are all, there's so many skills. And I, I would say, oh. the, yeah, yeah. And I would say that the most important thing, and this is for anybody, is, is the use of the breath. I always go to the, the breath for any voice work and honestly for any work at all is the, the power source for your voice to be authentically yourself, to, to be able to communicate authentically, directly, strongly, powerfully. The power is in your breath. It's all about your breath support. It's all about how, how released you are so that so when people talk about voices they enjoy, you'll often hear people say like, oh, well, it's so, it sounds so full. It sounds so rich or round or uh, even, you know, when people say, oh, it, I like her deep voice. And you listen and you go, well, it's not that deep. But you realize that what they're hearing is this really supported, supportive, they're, that that person is using their their breath correctly. And it's, um, and that has to do with knowing how to, you know, to, to be released, not to be tense, because then that sound, the sound becomes held or or tight, and or people will say high. Um, and if I listen to it as a voice person, I'll often go, oh, that's interesting. They're just not holding their breath, or they're not using their full breath. That's why it sounds tight, or this or that. So that's often something that, that that comes with some learning about what the voice is. Well, would you be able to go into that a little bit? How how do you breathe properly to get the voice tone that you should have? Well, the, the, the most important thing is you have to be connected to your your whole body. Now, how do we breathe? Uh, the the way we breathe is through our lungs. And the most important thing to know is that speaking, we've been, you know, all of us have, we've been speaking since we were little. <laughs> and our, our voice is meant to be, say, your whole arm's length in front of you. So um, it is meant to be, we're like a periscope. So we're like, think of like, say, a, a flute. So you're straight up, and then the there's this arm's length in front of you, and at the tip of your fingers, there is your voice. Our human voice is meant to be outside of ourselves and shared. And often, and you know, when you hear children in a playground, they're so, it's so easy to, <laughs> and not just necessarily yelling, or, or you hear kids talking in a room, and their their voices are so open and free. And um, what we do as we grow up, or for for whatever reasons, maybe it's cultural things, or being told that you know girls should be seen and not heard, all all kinds of things. We start putting up walls, and we start holding on to the voice, and we start building tensions. <laughs> and so. Uh, the vo the working with the voice is about get getting rid of some of that of the tension. And so what we the first thing that we work on with voice is releasing tension. So the first thing that I go to when I feel like I'm getting a little tired, if I've been recording for say seven hours, I will go right to my my body. I'll make sure that my neck is released. I'm not holding tension in my shoulders. And, and that way, 
I can be connected to my my full breath. So if you think about the the, the important thing is that your your breath is it's an athletic endeavor to speak. Um, and you want the kind of breathing that is that's in your body that is um, grounded and 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 you want to think about I guess technically the first thing that you do is exhale rather than think about that inhale you know when people say take a deep breath and you go and you inhale through your nose that is a lot of upper tension so you want to think about exhaling first and allowing the air to come into your rib cage where the lungs are and that that is a full breath really simply it's about not having tension and allowing the allowing the breath to come into your lungs versus versus like pushing it and and feeling like okay i have this breath and and where it's up in your in your shoulders upper shoulders okay so if you Feel that you're tense someplace, mm-hmm. neck, shoulders, wherever. You mm-hmm. exhale, and then you yeah. allow the air to come mm-hmm. into your rib cage, and that releases. The first the thing tension. I do is is literally release the tension, like you know, like roll my neck around. So I would say the key is going right to your body, and and releasing, so I, I I do a little, like I get my shoulders up to my head, I, I'll do a little stretch, so I'm connecting to my body right away, and, um, and yes, the next step is exhale, and then our bodies are made like a vacuum, physiologically. We are built to work as a vacuum so when you exhale when say right now i'm i'm speaking by the time i finish the sentence if i'm done and i i've expelled that much air i will automatically bring in a breath i don't have to take in an inhale inhale to continue breathing it's just the way we're built i exhale and then the body works like a vacuum and it automatically fills up and so you will feel that in your, in that lower rib cage. They uh, say you you blow out a candle a few times. You will feel that you don't need to be inhaling every time for every exhale. That every time I blow out that candle, um, you can try it at home if you want. Uh, the, the the breath automatically uh, c- comes in. So, so yes, it's exhale first. That's what we say in our coaching, and then allow the breath the breath to come in, and there is where you start your your um, the work the, the work. And a lot of this, a lot of the voice work, ironically, is about getting out of your own way, and uh, and not 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 having tensions or not putting things on top of of it it's just being being grounded being physically aware and and um and your voice rides the voice rides on the breath we say so um so it's not about muscling anything people think oh like i have to i have to uh push the sound at her. She says I'm not loud enough. So we tend to think that everything's around like pushing the neck around where the vocal cords are. And and that is really misinformation. All all of it has to do with the breath. And I would imagine that posture is also important for Yes, that's huge. And that's the first that that's really that's really the, the first part of it. So when I was saying that if my voice gets tired, the first thing I do is, yeah, I, I might make sure that I don't have tension. 
So I'm releasing tension. And then the second thing is I check my alignment. So I'll make sure that I haven't, uh, when, I'm, when I'm recording, anytime I'm recording, when I do commercial things, uh, commercial videos, we're almost always standing in a studio because it's really great to have your feet on the ground and being, uh, you have the energy, you're, you are, you can jump around if you need to. A lot of the commercial things, you know, high energy and also you connect it to your body that way. The, a couple of the recording studios for the audiobook, they're set up more as, you know, you're, you're, especially if you're recording for from 8.30 to 5 with a lunch break in there and a couple of breaks, we're sitting. But I have very, I'm very aware of my alignment. So that my spine is straight, that I'm not, I'm not bent in kind of, um, you know, kind of curved or often we want it, we're in our office chairs and uh, they're made so that we, we're, we're sitting back in the chair and that doesn't work for voice work. You have to be kind of on the tip of your chair so that your spine is really, yeah, so you have aligned, your head is over your trunk and you don't, you're not uh, pressing your neck, you know, pushing your chin forward because that'll change the, like right now, if I move my head forward, uh, you can hear a little bit of the difference than if I move it back. Uh, so it'll, the, the quality changes. Like if you dent and put a dent in a metal flute, the sound changes. So yeah, a lot of it has to do with with that alignment and so the chin should be forward or should be back? no the chin should be you want your head floaty and released over the trunk of your body over your yeah so you're so it's if you think about um yeah if you think about a up up the the straight part of the periscope it's all all up and down and you want to be all connected aligned so uh, you don't really want any big, uh, any kind so of you don't really stretching don't want or curve forward or back. No, 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 no. You want to you want to feel so when you're standing. Let's say you're standing. Your uh, your eyes are looking straight in front of you. You don't want to be at all tilted up or or down. So so that that. So that that passage of air going up through the vocal cords and out through your mouth is, is has a, a a really good large opening for for the sound to come out. So, other than breath and posture, are there other things that can impact the quality of your narration? Oh. Uh, Yes, I mean, um, I would say energy is a big one. <laughs> uh, being aware of keeping the energy, keeping the energy up, keeping the interest up. Uh, there, uh, and and how do you? How do you do that as a reader, um, especially for for long things? Again, constantly checking into your body, um, moving around a little bit. I take breaks. I'm constantly, constantly hydrating. Um, uh, let's see. I, a lot of my a lot of my work I do not I don't have the opportunity to pre-read but when you do have the opportunity to pre-read that that's great to have to have the time to rehearse and when you know if you're if you're working on a presentation say you're not recording you're not recording a book but you're going to be on video or you're going to do a TEDx talk or something like that you want to make sure that you have the rehearsal. You want to make sure that you're saying things ahead of time, 
that you know what your points are, that you're concise, and uh, and with reading, it's yeah, it's good to know what the what the arc is. Where am I going? Oh, this is how this is. We're going from point A to point C, and I have to be really careful about being specifically clear about section B in the middle. I'm going to have to be slow. So it's it's really I think that's a really important part is preparation when you have that opportunity. So if you're going to record your own book to to take record it uh, with your own little voice app on your phone, do chunks at a time, listen to it. You know, see see if you're being if you're clear. Did I or get other people to listen to it? Have a have a a blind eye <laughs> on it. So if they don't under if they don't know the the material, uh, the preparation is huge. Yeah, I, especially I know that when I do speaking, if I don't practice several times, then when I go to give the speech, I fumble a lot more. So I would imagine it's the same with narrating a book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I... Even though you're reading, you still... <laughs> Right, you're reading, but yeah, you know what to emphasize, and exactly, exactly. When I have, when I do have the text ahead of time, say I'm recording. For instance, when I had those documentary narrations that I did for PBS, and I had, I had my, my copy ahead of time, and I really worked on what we call scoring. The script, so I would underline the important words I wanted to emphasize, the important points, but more specifically, what word is the most important one there? Um, we we are so bombarded by the media, by hearing commercial marketing, TV, radio things that we are kind of trained to stress the article. Um, You'll get wine and beer. <laughs> and that is not usually ever really what you need to hear when you leave. So it might be important for for that quick 15-second spot, but you get a lot of stuff. That's what I'm getting out of there. But a lot of times you'll leave a commercial and you go, I, I heard a lot of buts and ands and $99, but I'm not sure what it was about. <laughs> But when it comes to reading uh, a book, when it comes to uh, some a particular subject matter, a particular story, you want to be clear about this is what I want you to get out of this, and it's never going to be on the article. So that's its own that's its own skill there. But we're so trained to go to the article that uh, it, it that sometimes that's something that people discover when 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 we're working on, on on helping them on a book that uh, they don't realize what they're stressing is, is all the, the little words that are, have nothing to do with moving the point forward, the information forward. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with a lot of people who want to narrate their own books? I've worked with, no, we do a lot. Um, I work with, Articulate Really and Clear, which is a company about its communications company. We coach executives. We coach on on being aligned with your message. We do a lot of, so I do a lot of voice work in general with people who want to speak, people who are presenting. And I've done some some coaching on with, with people who want to record their books. But my, my coaching is Super, super varied. So I'll work with actors. I work with some people who have written there. Um, and ironically, I've, I've worked with some writers groups. They bring me in as a narrator to work with writers because I always tell people when they're first writing their book that the best test of their writing is to read it out loud. It's amazing to, uh, I mean, it's, when I get a book and all of a sudden I, I, I'm putting on my 
I put it, I, I don't really need readers. I, I, I need glasses for, for distance, but not close up. But I'll start putting on like this pair of readers I have on because I'm stumbling and, and I, I, I turn on my lights in my booth. I, I bring in like better cushions for my, I don't know what's going on. And I realize that it's the, the right, when the writing is not flowing, that's why I'm stumbling so much. It's a, it's a really interesting thing that I didn't realize until I started recording books, that it's a really good test of the writing. So I always tell writers, read your book out loud, and, and you will, that's where you see, oh, what, wait, wait a minute, that's not concise. Let me reword that. Often what people end up doing is that they, they'll, they'll, they'll shorten things, they'll become much more concise. They they really realize oh gosh I need a pause there or um, and so they fix that in the writing uh, so it, it it works both ways so if you were working with somebody mm-hmm. how would you approach it somebody who wanted to narrate a book who wasn't a professional uh, voiceover um we uh, the the first thing we the first thing I I approach is the that they are connected to their voice, um, and what do I mean by that? Uh, a lot of times we are kind of behind the voice, so there we have all kinds of vocal, funny vocal codes that we have, or there might be habits that we've had our whole lives, or because of where we've lived, um, that don't serve the book say um for instance um uh kind of feeling always kind of being back here and the voice like what we call what a lot we're hearing a lot about the vocal fry these days and that's that's not supporting with your breath and so um i'm reading something and i'm kind of tending to kind of hang back here and i'm not really putting any under it and it's not going very far so even though I have a microphone uh, it also limits my range so so the first thing we work on is is getting getting the the reader on their on their breath on their voice I always say uh, you're not on your voice you're not on voice and uh, another example is uh, being putting a little extra breath through, so um, I'm a little breathy, and it works for some commercial things, like when I want to be have a seductive read or something. But when you're doing a whole book, that would be really you're putting a lot of extra breath through something, and I'm not using my full voice, and therefore my full range. So you have the vocal fry, you have that breathiness, or um, some people. Uh, we, I work on, let's make sure that you're landing your thoughts, you're landing your points, meaning, uh, you don't want to be, so a a couple of things, you want to make sure that the reader knows that this is your main topic and you want to land that point and then you're going to explain it further. Um, and sometimes it appears in the upspeak. So you're not landing it because you're talking like this and leaving it up all the time. And it's really useful if you're saying, wanting to keep someone hanging or you're doing a very long list of something. But I, if you don't know how to land something down, <laughs> to have that downward inflection uh, to make up the point, to make your main, especially when people are writing with the more business things that I've worked with, with people, um, then we, it's hard for us to get the clarity of what your sections are, what your chunks are, your thoughts, you know, um, because we don't get the, we don't have the visual help of the paragraph or the bullet point mm-hmm. or the bolded section. So that's the first thing that we work on is, is being, being connected to your, to your breath and actually some people just are like, wow, I had no idea I even had that voice. <laughs> um, and and then we'll work on, on depending on who they are, where they are, 
uh, vocal variety? How do you find that prosody? And it's it's it it depends on the person what what we work on. We do different exercises to to make that for them to find that that range. Everyone has most people have a much bigger range than than they realize. And and in normal day to day conversations, we have we have a huge amount of range. It's just when we when we go into the often our business settings. We we seem to we compact ourselves. We I think we have this kind of myth that you can't be your full self professionally. You have to be professional, and, and we cut ourselves off. So a lot of it is about breaking those the, the ceiling that we put on us or the the floor that that we do out of out of for good reason, but it might not it doesn't serve us say to to record the book. Or to give our right. beautiful speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I and then sometimes we. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes then we'll do um, uh, work on say I, I'll make people underline on the whole in the whole paragraph just a few words that need to that are the operatives that are the ones that need to be stressed, and I, I will keep asking. So what do you what do you want me to get out of that? What thought? What's the most important thing you want me to hear? Um, oh, I want you to hear that I'll help you. Okay, well that's I'm hearing right now. I'm hearing 20 words and not that part. <laughs> so I just want you to stress help. Let's see what that sounds like, and it'll be a completely different story. So, um, yes, it's a combination of. Some things that feel a little bit more esoteric, like the breath, <laughs> and making sure that it's grounded in your body, so you know how to get to it, and and some technical things like what do you stress, and and, uh, and we talk about the importance of rhythm changes or variety. What's happening in this right now? Can we move this section along, and then? Then the next part that's going to be point by point, I'm going to be clear, and and uh, I might I might slow down and make sure I have good pauses between here's point A, then B, then C. Um, so the pause uh, is super. It's, I always say the pa- your pauses are gold. Um, and then if they're reading uh, fiction, that's a whole different ballgame because we might be working with, say, uh, some kind of dialect training. So I do a lot of dialect training for the theaters in town, and that's a whole other huge skill set. And uh, we might work with character voices. So how can you find in your, in your range that you have uh, different ways of creating those characters. We often will are a little limited in terms of, oh, I'll be loud for this or quiet for that. But we have so many other possibilities that we can have. I can, you know, have where the resonance is, like where that sound is vibrating. That's your resonance. So is it? Do I have a big chest resonance or? Um, Am I gonna put that little girl kind of up here so it's like my in my <laughs> my sinuses up here and my face, or am I gonna make this person really forward and put it in the front of my mouth? And so that's what we work on is how you can move that around, move your voice to 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 sound different and not be pushing something like with just with volume. Yeah, that must be really hard if you've got lots of different characters to remember exactly how you're voicing each one. Oh yeah, it it is, and we we definitely we keep notes. So I, for instance, I was reading this not not a difficult crazy novel like I am in, in right here, um, and it was a just a fun like each read kind of romance and there was this scene where this woman the lead the main character of the book is having her 
it's the first scene in the book with all her, all eight of her friends that she keeps meeting with in her knitting circle. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to do like nine voices, you know, within three pages of all her different friends. And so I'm, a, I'm usually super grateful when there is a dialect or an accent because that's, that's an immediate fix. I'm like, oh, thank God, she's from Texas. But I happen to have one from Texas and one from Tennessee. Um, there were two Southerners in that group. So I had to make sure that they were kind of correct and they, they're actually very different accents. So I had that. And then I make notes depending a lot of times about resonance, like I'll put um, chesty or messy or um, sometimes I'll put, uh, say, if, if I feel like, oh, this sounds like an actor that I know, I'll, I'll, I'll put a name of somebody I know. Um, and yeah, rather than when I get lazy, sometimes I'll be like, really high, way low. And that is not helpful after a couple of days. Uh, it's it's better to be a little bit more detailed. But yeah, you, you write down notes really quickly to keep track, especially when it's a long book and you might they might not come back for eight chapters. Right. Gabriella, what are some of the um, the common mistakes that you've encountered with people who have narrated their own books? I would say I would say that the most common there are a couple of things. Um, one of the things is that the pacing is exactly the same the whole time. So there's no variation. I think people don't think about pace. Um, and all of it, you know, like somebody might said, might say uh, initially, oh, you're talking too fast. And so they get to a place where it's clearer, but they don't know how to vary it within the subject matter. And that's really hard to to stay with. I mean, I, your goal, I would think, is for for people to get the whole story or to get your whole lesson. You want them to stay with you. They want, you want them to get your second book and your third book. And so um, that I, I find that. Um, also, I know that when I listen just to tiny little, and I'm sure everyone is like this who is a big audiobook fan, you will listen to a 10-second clip, and you'll know right away if you can, if you can hang with this person. For a, for a whole book. Um, and often that has to do with the, yeah, their use of, if, if they, if the voice is kind of tight sounding or kind of held or, um, you know, we, we all also have personal preferences about the kind of voices that we, that we like. So um, I think a lot of the time it has to do with, with the lack of variety. I would say in range and in and and rhythmically. That's that's what I think I and I I would say the second thing is the knowing of people not knowing how to emphasize what their points are. So it's so it's clear. Um and that and not just having to do with variety, but they're just every single word is the same importance and it continues like that and then after a while you're like what wait what are you talking about <laughs> because everything is emphasized um, I had a friend say oh gosh my friend just recorded their book and I couldn't listen because everything sounded like it had an exclamation mark after it he was so excited about everything but I couldn't listen to it anymore after like you know 20 minutes that was I was done um, so so those are the main things that that come up for me. There are also uh, little technical things about some people cannot, uh, like I said before, can't speak or have a pause between a sentence where you're not hearing the breath, the that audible breath. And so sometimes we have to work on that for for a while. Just how do you avoid that? And it's it's a little a little time to find your way around those those issues or 
Some some are easy, like, oh, your lips are smacking, just make sure you drink a lot of water. Uh, they're a little easier to solve. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you give a sense as to how long somebody should expect to take when narrating their own book? Let's say it's yep. um, 100 pages. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a tough question because if you're narrating your own book, you can control the amount of... You, um. So usually, I would say for professionals, it's a little less than double the time of the, um, let's say you have a 60-minute book, then it might take me 110 minutes to record it. So, um, and and that's, that's a professional reader who's doing this all the time. And if it's very technical, it completely varies because you might be stopping to look at your research and checking what, you know, so you might be stopping and starting. So obviously it's very dependent on what the subject matter is. Um, But I would say if you're recording your own book and you can divide it into some smaller sections that you don't record for more than two hours, um, or, you know, if you're in a studio and you want to get it all done at once, uh, that you don't do a whole big long day, uh, that you, you know, you do a, a, a pretty, uh, not short, but something that is not too crazy and take a good break because the energy is a really hard thing to keep, to keep uh, constantly aware of. It's easy in a long session to, Forget about the energy and just get into and get into this kind of almost uh, drony thing where now you're reading and then you've forgotten that you're not reading to sound like writing. You want it to sound like I, I'm just coming up with this information, Judy, right in this moment, and I'm giving it to you. And isn't this exciting? Rather than now I'm going to be reading this stuff, and you get it's very easy to lose your variety. So. That's a long answer to that, but yes, it's very dependent on several things. Gabriella, I really appreciate your time today and all of Absolutely. the that you have passed on to us. It's been really interesting. So many things that I think most people don't even think about. Yeah, exactly. And 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 when we listen to things, we shouldn't be thinking about it. We should just be completely immersed in whatever we're listening to. Uh, So in a way, you're right. It's good that we don't know about it and think about it. But then when you're going to record it, really important to to look into all the things that come into it. And this is a last note. I would say that sometimes uh, writers think they're going to save a lot of money doing it on their own because we're we we have so many technical possibilities nowadays to do these kinds of things. But uh, people also need to realize that as in any any creative endeavor, usually it takes a whole, it's a collective that makes something happen. So with any professional audiobook that someone's hearing, usually there's there are a lot of people. There are people that did the research, how you're going to pronounce the words, there are people that are recording you and and stopping you here and there and making sure that your um, your levels are correct. And uh, then you have somebody in post production taking out all the breaths and 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 uh, you know maybe fixing some spacing around things. So there there's so much that goes into it. And if you're trying to do all of that, say recording yourself at the same time that you're reading this work, it's hard to be, for instance, to concentrate on being in the story um, when you're doing all those things. And it takes a lot of, it'll take a lot of of time and, uh, and, and a, a few times, sadly, you know, someone will spend 100 hours 
working on something and it still won't be accepted because of something they didn't think about. So it's it's good. It's a good thing to practice and get an ear on before you just go for it because it sounds easy. <laughs> good advice. Yeah. Um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, they can find me at Articulate Real and Clear dot com. Is the and an ampersand or an and? It is an uh, oh wait, uh, Real and Clear. You know what? It's articulatercom <laughs> Sorry, I had to look at okay. it. Okay. Yes. And it's Gabriella okay. at. Mm-hmm. Very good. Great. Thanks again. And, All right. Uh, thanks so much, Really Judy. enjoyed your show. Great. Thank you. 